Well, good morning. You might think I'm in the wrong spot this morning. <laughs> you like my table? That other thing's too tall for a man like me. So I'm going with this. Well, I'm excited, honored to be able to share this morning. I was talking uh, to Tyler and Billy earlier this week. I was like, every time I get to speak, I just feel like Rudy. Um, like, everybody's just like, guys, getting a shot, you know? He doesn't get a lot of play time, but he was there at every practice. And um, so I, uh, I love being here. I love you guys. And whether it's true or not, I feel your love. And um, so I, uh, I'm really excited to be here. And uh, I, um, I, I just uh, be vulnerable. I'm still trying to figure out how I share and how I teach. So if, can I, is this going to be another trial run for me, if that's okay? Um, I, uh, also, I'm rather full. I have three sermons today. So um, buckle up. Summertime. <laughs> yeah, summertime. You guys don't have to be anywhere. So, um, but... I, uh, I am really excited to share, and I love you guys so much. I um, am so thankful to be a part of a body that I feel like I can trust to like, live my life with. You know, It's like we only have so many days on this earth, and I know from personal experience and history that I need people um, to walk with me and to encourage me and to challenge me and exhort me and, um, and to love on me, and I am confident that I can do that here for the rest of my life. Hi, Patrick. Um, and, uh, so I, uh, I love you guys and I'm, I'm really excited to be here this morning. Um, notes would be helpful since I have three sermons. It might be helpful to just draw a line at some point and, uh, and, uh, know where that we're starting the next one. Um, but, uh, I wanted to, to just kick off with just talking about the series in general that we're in the middle of. So we're in a series called Enthralled. The first half was, um, really just going through Galatians and now we're about to get into Psalms you may still be trying to figure out why this is a series with two different books, one of which has 150 chapters, and we're going to touch on like five or six. Um, the, the goal of Enthralled, or Enthralled really came out of this uh, word that we had for this year for our church, which was depth. And um, when that word came up, it just felt like an easy amen for everybody in the room, just like, yes, we want depth. We need depth. It is uh, deep roots that keep us from blowing over in the wind and from scorching in the heat. It's what we need and what we long for. Um, and um, we also know that depth um, in God's word is like just the most essential thing that we could start with. And so we called it enthralled for that purpose to say we want to be enthralled with the word of God. Um, when I looked at the definition of enthralled, it says to capture the fascinated attention of and um, I love that. And so I wrote my first sermon on that, if that's okay. <laughs> um, the fascinated attention of. So um, in this modern era, uh, or, or every, every era is considered modern, right, in its day. And, and every modern era has its thoughts or truths that sometimes come and fight to become uh, or to, to battle with scripture, if, as some might say. Um, but I just wanted to start off with saying that um, uh, the, the scripture doesn't battle with anything. Um, we know that there's nothing more sparkly, nothing more true, nothing uh, that is stronger, can withstand more. Like, th there's no competition when it comes to the word of God. Everything, every idea that could come out of man is um, brought to the word of God and either um, confirmed 
or crushed is how I see it. You know, it's like there is no middle ground where we're weighing scales, right, with, with scripture. Um, but it does take some work sometimes um, to, to, to have that conversation um, in, in, in any modern day. Um, there's a risk sometimes in the Bible Belt for us to begin to think these thoughts of like, yeah, I know that I should read the Bible or I know that I should value the Bible. I know that it's the living word of God or even, you know, I know that it has all the answers for every conundrum we could come across. You know, it's like, we know all these things. Um, so it seems simple, like, let's just, okay, great. Let's, if it can do it, then let's, let's sit back and watch it do it. But then we open it up and we're like, it's good. It's really good. Um, I don't understand what this thing is saying or how it applies today. Today, you know, um, I I suffer from that, guys. Um, you are not alone. Who has felt? Who has like felt those feelings where you're like, I I don't know how to milk a revelation out of this thing. Like I I don't know. Uh, I'm not a scholar, right? I, I I I don't know how to do it. I want like serious raise hands if that's a common thought. Okay, thank you. Gosh, get it out there, you know? <laughs> and um, so, you're not alone. I hated to study in school. You can ask my wife. Um, she's the only one that got me through um, by diligently studying while I had nothing to do and figured I might as well uh, try to copy. Um, reading is still a discipline for me in every way. Just started a new book that I want to finish, so I told Ray Evans, like, hey, will you read this with me? <laughs> so, that we, so that we finish, you know? Um, so let's go back to enthralled to capture the fascinated attention of someone. This may sound heretical, um, so give me a moment, but I don't want to be fascinated with Scripture alone. I want to be fascinated with God. The Pharisees were fascinated with the law, and it didn't really work for them. They were fascinated with the words on the page rather than the God who wrote them. So when Jesus came... They missed him. When God came, like when God walked in front of them, performed miracles, they missed him because they weren't fascinated with him anymore. They were fascinated with the law, with trying to execute what they could understand and what they were trying to make other people understand because they were the scholars. Um, to be fascinated with the words on the page is to be a scholar. And I think there are scholars, there should be scholars in the room that, that love to understand literature, love to understand concepts, love to pull it out of there. But it's not everybody, as we just saw, you know? Um, it's not everybody. It's certainly not me. But that's the good news that I want to bring through Enthralled, the series, is that we don't have to be scholars. But we do want to be fascinated with God and let that fascination lead us to do anything to discover more about him. Think about two people in a budding romance or a scientist on the heels of a new discovery or a songwriter with a fresh melody in their tongue. That place of fascination drives them deeper and deeper into that next discovery because they can taste the promise of beauty and awe and that ever-pleasing fulfillment that lies just ahead of their next step. When I look at fascination, that kind of fascination where you're just, you can't stop, you know? You ever had that where you're, something's going and you can't sleep or, or you can't, you know, it's like you're trying to work, you're trying to do stuff, but you can't because you're just, you're fascinated over here. You're enthralled over here. 
What I see when I look at that is um, expectation. There's this unhindered expectation. We fall into fascination when we lose track of the fear of being disappointed and actually believe that there's something more to see. Do we believe that there's more to see about God? Things that we don't already know. It's not a question of if it's there, for his depths are immeasurable and his breadths are unbound and his heights are unreachable, but are our fears of disappointment distorting this truth? Those fears may lie, may lie to us that we're incapable or that he's not actually who he says he is. And so that, that, that thought of trying to pursue him, there's this fear that it, I might work for it and actually just uncover disappointment, whether in my ability to uncover him or, uh, or somehow uncover some disappointment about him. And, um, but we're looking to endure, or is it, we're looking to develop for us an, an enduring fascination with God and a persistent expectation that he will be found in many places, but most assuredly in his word. When I picture, I, was, I got a picture of the body of Christ, and I think we normally, we'll use this analogy sometimes, like looking at a mountain, and we're like the body of Christ surrounds it, and, we, and we're looking at the same mountain, and we're seeing God from different perspectives, so we help each other understand who God is in his breath, right? Um, but I got a picture, uh, a little bit more wagon wheel ask, where, where the body of Christ is in the middle, and we're surrounded by God um, in whatever form he takes. And we're all, we're all centered on, this, on the word of God, and we say, okay, we look, we say, okay, here's his names, right? Um, here's here's who, what he said, who he says he is. Here's what his character that he's told us, like very, very surely right here. Here's who he is. Now we're gonna look out, and from my perspective, I love nature, or um, I love writing, or I, I love art, or I love science. Wherever, whatever direction you're looking out, we're looking and we're finding God. And then we get to explain to others what we see about him, but it all came from this like root knowledge, you know? Because we can see, even see things in scripture sometimes where it looks questionable about God's character. Like, why would he kill like all those people, you know? And like, and it's like we go back to the word of God to remember who he says he is, his name foremost, right? Um, if, and, and we let things begin to line up under that. And so that's how I want us to begin um, when, we, when we're talking about being enthralled with scripture. It's to say, Lord, I wanna go find you in the world in like innumerable ways. I don't, I, this, is not this is not it but this is gonna create for me the palette of who you are so that I can spot you when I'm out in the world. I can spot you like you're made to go somewhere and find him somewhere that nobody else is, you know? Uh, it can simply be in people that you touch, you know? Like um, people will, will find God in families. People will find God in caring for somebody else and, um, and others, other people are scholars and they'll find him, you know, um, everywhere that we go. Um, but it's that, that, that fascination, like defending that fascination to say, Lord, I'm unwilling to like fall into that place where I'm like, ah, I'm bored. I'm bored of God or, or I'm, I'm not really sure I have the capability to discover anything else. Do you think it's up to our capabilities to discover him? I don't think so. I think it's our willingness to knock on the door and he prom that he promises to open. Seek and you will find, okay? I think I'll let that be the end of sermon one. Okay, yep, I'm gonna pray real quick. Ministry time, band come up? No, oh, we won't do that, but <laughs> Lord, 
clear the air inside of us, Lord, about your word, about seeking you. Lord, blow the, the walls off the box, Lord, day by day. It feels like we can't help but try to build boxes for you to fit in, Lord, or for us to fit in. Lord, blow the boxes up. Lord, let us understand that you are everywhere, God. Let us, under, let us understand that we will never reach the end of you, that there's no end to the thrill of knowing you of seeing you, all the angels in heaven covered in eyes to see as much as they can, circling you, continually crying out, holy, 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 they're fascinated with you. Let us be fascinated, Lord, while we're here on earth and our faith has to drive us to believe that there's more, Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay, so we're starting Psalms today. Um, we are starting the book of Psalms in this series of Enthralled, and really we want to open up the book and understand a little bit more about what's inside, why was it written, and all that kind of stuff, and how can we use it. It's sometimes hard to figure out how to apply scripture to your current day, uh, or if you're not a poet, to read poetry and try to understand why, why you're sp supposed to appreciate it and all that kind of stuff. So um, we're, we're, we're gonna talk about Psalms first. If you wanna take a couple notes, it might be helpful here. So I wanted to offer you two resources real quick that I've been using this year that have been very helpful um, and helpful in Psalms. I think um, uh, I've been doing a Bible reading plan that's just like a, a year, like read through the Bible in a year called the Bible Recap. Um, all Bible plans aren't special, right? They just <laughs> read scripture. But this one is accompanied with a podcast that every, after every day you do, uh, do, do a reading, go to the podcast, and they just help unpack all the stuff that you have no idea about, you know? Um, help you figure out which Jeroboam is which Jeroboam because there's so many Jeroboams, you know? It's like <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And that, like re doing this has opened up the scripture for me more, more than any other thing I've tried. So I'm just recommending it to you, the Bible Recap. Um, it's, it's worth it. If you do decide to start it, start from the beginning. Just, I know it's not January 1, but just start with January 1. It's, um, it's worth it. And uh, I was very helpful in Psalms and putting all these Psalms into their context, helping you see a broader picture of Psalms and where this fits in so that you're not confused by a specific one and all that kind of stuff. And that Bible recap also utilizes another resource called uh, the Bible Project, which um, I don't know if Paul Pleasant's here, but he recommended that to me like four years ago and I didn't do it. But these guys recommended it and I did. And so uh, kudos to Paul. Um, they just make animated videos that describe a book of the Bible or a theme in the Bible. And I'm, in the same way, it's just like mind blowing. It puts so much context for you. So I'm, I mean, when we're talking about Psalms, I don't know if there's anything I'm gonna tell you that I didn't like learn from reading Psalms and watching that video. Um, but uh, you won't know that unless you watch the videos. So Give it a shot. Um, so let's talk about Psalms. What is it? So uh, very simply, it's, it's Hebrew poetry. When they, you know, putting together the canon of scripture, there's like different genres, you know, and it really is, it's, it is Hebrew poetry, which they utilized in their day. It was written uh, from the time of Moses through all the kings and up until the point of returning from Babylon over the course of like a thousand years. Um, it's written in five different books that were kind of probably gathered at different times, but then all gathered together. And a really unique thing is that they actually all do follow a storyline. I'm not gonna talk through that this morning, but they do follow a storyline and they do carry a theme um, together. Um, and it's really beautiful. And these were Psalms that were 
basically they were used by the people and then they decided to put them together and choose from the ones um, that the people were using um, and, and make the book of Psalms out of them. Um, we know a lot of them were written by David, about half of them, but there's lots of other authors, Asaph, sons of Korah, uh, He-Man, I'm gonna call him, um, and Ethan, uh, Solomon, and Moses, and then like 50 uh, anonymous Psalms. Um, so it's quite a collection. Um, the, the whole book concludes with Psalm 150, uh, which I'm actually, um, spoiler alert, I'm gonna read during ministry time as we're worshiping. So just know when we go to read that, that is the culmination of Psalms and we're gonna use it to worship today when we get there. Um, okay, so um, it's Psalms design and purpose. Now really tar- start taking notes, okay? Um, the design and purpose I loved this one when it was revealed to me. The, the, the Psalms are like a literary temple. The tabernacle and later the temple were where the Israelites went to meet with God. When you arrived, you would see art and imagery like everywhere, all over the walls. On every device they used, there were things carved into it representing the Garden of Eden or, or who got in its character. Um, everything that they wore, it all represented. I, I looked at like the, the garments that they wore and like, like the first tunic, the second one, like everything represented something. And so when um, someone would go there, they would see these things and they would know. They would know that's what it's referencing. They'd be filled with awe of who God is, awe of what he's done. It tells this, like telling the story of all the things that he's done for the Israelites. So um, that's what the tabernacle was. Um, and uh, the here. I got lost. Here we go. Uh, the temple was a place for you to be in God's presence and for you to immerse yourself in the story of God's kingdom. Um, when the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple um, and, and they took the people into exile, um, where could the Israelites go to be in God's presence? They had nothing. They had nowhere to go. So Psalms, these poems were written as a literary temple a place where they could go, they could read these things and they could be surrounded with the imagery and the story of who God is. Um, it, was, it was a prayer book for the exiles. And um, that's how we get to use it today. You enter in the Psalms to meet with God and to hear the entire biblical story of God's people. And that's how we get to use it as well. Um, there's a couple of themes that we find in Psalms. I'm gonna talk through, there's kind of three different pockets. The first one of the, of the themes is Torah and Messiah. So the law, the word of God, and the coming Messiah it was written before Jesus. So it was always reminding the Israelites, he's coming. His kingdom is coming. Have hope. The first two Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2, if you read through those, you'll actually see these mentioned and they kind of, they break open the Psalms and kind of cover its entire purpose uh, to look back, remember who God is, his laws and what he said and to look forward to the Messiah. Um, There's another set uh, of themes uh, that I think we're all pretty familiar with, which is lament and praise. Um, Praise is commonly written for corporate expression. And so a lot of the songs that are written and sung today are, they're still going back to these Psalms and just rewriting them in today's language or today's melodies or same old words and it still works. Um, They're prayers uh, of joy and celebration. They draw attention to what is good in the world and retell the story and thank God. 
Um, in books, the, late, the latter books of, of Psalms, um, the four, books four and five, uh, you'll see that the, 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 the praise Psalms begin to highly outnumber the lament, and that's part of the sweeping story of Psalms. A lot of lament on the front end, reminding ourselves who God is in the, mid of, in the middle of it, and then getting to that place where we're just walking in celebration because we know who he is. Uh, next set of themes um, is faith and hope, uh, which honestly ties really closely to Torah and Messiah, and Messiah. Um, this faith that God is who he says he is. He's worth believing in. There's nothing false about him, nothing broken about him. We're gonna remember what he's already done. And then we have this hope that points us to the future of the Messiah and the eternal kingdom. So we know the Messiah and we're establishing his kingdom that he will come and one day uh, finally open up. So um, that's it for the themes there. We have um, Torah and Messiah, lament and praise, faith and hope. So you can, as we're reading, you don't just need to know these to know them. As you're reading, you can look for them. Is it trying to point me towards one of these things, you know, to value the, the word of God or to, to build hope in me for the Messiah and what, in what Jesus came to do? Um, so um, how do we use Psalms? Why would we invest in it? Why do we need it? Why is it still there for us? Um, going back, it really, it is a temple even for us. When we're in our bedroom, when we're uh, away from our home, when we're out, out of, maybe we can't go to church on Sunday and we're starting to feel maybe disconnected from a community or something like that, you can say, Lord, I know how to get into your presence. You've created a temple for me to walk into. And when you read the Psalms, you're, you're letting him remind you who he is. You're letting those words remind you who he is and what he's done, what he's like. They're not, they're not these, these things, they're not separate from you. They're, they're like, they're for you. And so when we read them, we're looking at him to say, Lord, let it work in me. Even if it's simple, let it work in me. Um, I believe that the Psalms teach us uh, very much the fear of the Lord, which we don't, um, I don't know, walk in or necessarily understand as well today, I think across um, Christianity, but there's really something to the fear of the Lord, awe and reverence for who he is. Um, David, in, in the way that he conversed with the Lord, of course he was open with him, but he carried a reverent fear of who God was and always submitted himself at the end of anything to say like, but you are God. And I can't argue with that. Um, I think uh, Psalms, uh, we can use it to help teach us healthy paths of emotional expression and how to talk with God. And it's, it's really easy to feel like we can't be um, angry before God um, or at God. And I think that David continually proves us wrong. <laughs> like we can, we can act however we want to act um, as long as we have the fear of the Lord at the end of that thing. Um, and, we let, and, we don't, uh, and we don't finish on top or think that we're finishing on top, you know? Um, we can wrestle as much as we want if our goal is to be beat by God. So if you need to wrestle, sometimes you need to wrestle and get it out. Um, and, and Psalms teaches us how to do that and to end submitted to him. It's all about reminding ourselves who he is. And sometimes if we don't talk it out, we just don't let ourselves get reminded. And we start to just dwell on our circumstances or whatever our feelings are, are leading us. But if we get it out and wrestle, it'll probably work out. So... Um, Psalms teaches us to carry the purpose of Psalms in our hearts. It's, I mean, I feel like you're watching the life story of the diary, right, of, of David, and it, it teaches us, like, how did he, what did he carry? He treasured the word and God's commandments. 
And you see that throughout the Psalms. He treasured them. Um, I seem to think that's one of the purposes in Psalms is to remind us that, of that treasure and to live in expectation of the coming return of the Messiah and his kingdom. So um, I don't know. Let Psalms do that for you to help you treasure the word and help you be full with hope um, continually for Jesus' return, okay? Okay, sermon two, over. If you need a water break, go for it. We're gonna open up a psalm together and we're just gonna talk through it now. Um, And the rest of the series is really gonna be that, um, just one person opening a psalm and helping, uh, helping show you guys, hey, here's how I like received from this thing. Here's what I did to, to, to get there and not leaving it a mystery um, or up to the scholars, but to actually reveal that um, this is made for us. So you guys open up to Psalm 133. Okay. Yeah, it says, a song of ascents, 133, if anybody missed it. Um, a song of ascents. So Psalms 120 through 134 are all called or prefaced as song of ascents. Um, the Jews would sing these as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship. And as they ascended the hill to Jerusalem, because everyone had to ascend the hill to Jerusalem, it was on a hill, they would sing these songs to begin to prepare their hearts to minister to God's heart. So this is, that's where the, the you know, so um, you can Google, when you get to your Psalm, if it says something at the top, written by this guy, or in this time, or a song of his sense, you can Google it. Um, that will be your best friend. And so to put this Psalm into context, when is this, when should this be sung? Well, um, the Israelites were gathering to worship God together. And, um, and, they, and they do this, annually, um, and they're, I mean, they traveled to do this, so it's like, it's got some weight to it, you know, it's, it's a, it's, this is a special psalm, and it's toward the end, so this is 133, there's only, there, it only goes up to 134, so there was only one more, um, so this was kind of towards the end of that song of ascents as they were really approaching the temple, probably, if you could imagine, like, seeing it, you know, and you don't live next to it, you live somewhere else, and God dwells there, but, but you don't, and you're getting to come, and you're excited, um, you've traveled, you might be tired, but you're starting to get over the being tired because you're seeing it. You know, you're seeing the temple of God and you're excited. You've got your dove and your, you know, whatever. Um, so let's go there, shall we? Um, I'm gonna read it. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Makes you wanna go, mm, yeah. I don't know what the last two thirds meant, but it's good. So, um, if you don't remember, the last time I spoke, I'm hitting on unity again with this psalm. Last time I spoke, I spoke a little too intensely about love during Christmas, and uh, I'm hoping to make up for that today. But um, uh, it just keeps coming up, just the people of God um, choosing unity. And so um, I'm gonna talk to you about how I broke this thing out 
it was a short enough poem, and I'm a little bit of a poet, um, that I've, I was like, ooh, there's some rhythm there. Um, so let's break it out. Um, there's a couple, uh, 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 or actually, let me, let me start here. So it starts with brothers dw- uh, dwelling in unity, okay? So that, that's what it starts out. How behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, okay? We start there, and then we see two similes. It's like oil, and it's like the dew of Hermon. So um, like oil running down on the head of Aaron. So another thing that we could explore um, down the collar of his robes. Um, if we don't know who Aaron is, let's go figure it out, you know? It's like the dew of Hermon, wherever that is, falling on the mountains of Zion. I think I know where that is, you know? Um, and there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So it's like oil, it's like the dew, and there the Lord has commanded the blessing, which is life forevermore. So I kind of broke it out like that. I'm a big bullet point guy or whiteboard guy. So that's, that's how I broke it out. And um, so I'm gonna look at that first simile here. Of, it's, it's like oil. What does oil signify? Just try, yeah. What? Anointing. Holy Spirit, anointing. That's all I needed. Great. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, the anointing of something and the Spirit of God um, oftentimes, in this case of anointing, it's the Spirit of God poured out on someone for a purpose, right? It's not just like anointed at everything, you know? Um, we, we thought those guys existed in high school, then we found out they didn't, right? Um, so um, the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, the, the Spirit of God poured out on a person for a specific purpose. Um, who is poured out on? Aaron, okay? Who is Aaron. Um, we can look it up really easily. You can Google it. There's plenty of resources. Aaron is the brother of Moses and the founder and the head of the Israelite priesthood. Um, uh, side note, Aaron was not perfect. When they got across the Red Sea and God parted the seas, <laughs> and then Moses went up the mountain for a little while, Aaron was like, you guys want a calf? I'll get you a calf, okay? This is the guy. Before he was anointed, and he melted their rings, or every, all the gold, and he made a calf for the people. He, was act, he had that priestliness about him, right? Um, I'll help you worship, okay? Um, but the, the Spirit of God was very helpful for him <laughs> in accomplishing what he was actually put, put on the earth to do, you know? Um, okay, so, um, so he, he was the first one anointed for the priesthood alongside with his sons uh, that became um, the... the, the Levites um, that were the ones who were the priests throughout all of uh, uh, Israel's history, you know? Um, side note, also, we are all now, now we are all priests, okay? We're all now get to be priests, which are representatives of the people to God and of God to the people. Um, that's what we all are now. So I like that. Okay. The Spirit of God and the anointing is um, what prepared him for his ministry and his role. Um, what does, so, I mean, his beard. I didn't look up what a beard signified, but we can all roll with it. There's one. Um, so, um, uh, his robe, though. Let's talk about his robe. It, it mentions the robe, so, like, let's look into it and rather than just moving on. It's a short enough psalm that I'm not too discouraged to just try to read past. Um, uh, let's read into his robe. What was the robe? Uh, I mean, very simply, it was the garment he wore when he ministered and only when he ministered. He didn't 
wear that thing home. He didn't sleep or cook in it, you know. It was there at, at the temple and he went and he put it on and he prepared himself. Every, every single part of it said something that this atones for that, this atones for that. There's 12 stones that represent um, every tribe in Israel. So he's going before, as a priest, before God to represent the people, right? And then he goes and he hears God and he comes out and he represents God to the people. Um, and, um, and so that's what that, that robe was. Um, so the, it was just the, the oil coming down and anointing all of him and everything that he's put on. Um, it, when it mentions that it runs down the collar, uh, it can tell us that it's like it's running from his head. It was poured on his head, down his beard to the ends of him. So it anoints his whole being from head to toe. And we'll see a little theme later about that. Um, this oil in that moment that was poured on Aaron consecrated him. Consecrate is, you know, sanctify and to prepare, um, to dedicate, to be holy, to be separate. So backing it up, unity of brothers, or brothers dwelling together in unity is like oil, the spirit of God poured out, running on him, preparing him for ministry to God. So unity sets us apart from the world. Um, it consecrates us. And it separates us from the world. They will know us by our love for one another. Um, so let's hold that imagery. We've got, the, we've got the oil coming down, anointing Aaron, head to toe, 12 tribes for ministry to God. And then we've got um, the next simile that we're gonna look at, which is like, like the dew of Hermon. Uh, let's pull up the image of the mountain. So Mount Hermon is at the northernmost part of the kingdom of Israel. And um, it's big. It's like 9,000 feet tall, which you've been to Colorado. Um, let's see here. They start off at like five or 6,000 feet and they go up to 14. So this is like as big as the mountains you see in Colorado, if for perspective matters to me. I don't know about you. Always bound in, a, in snow. Like it, it's, it's, you see snow on it uh, year round. So there's this mountain that you can see for miles up at the north end of the kingdom. Okay. Um, the word Hermon means devoted or sanctified or holy. Um, let's talk about this dew. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda quotes going through my head if anybody's... <laughs> Um, I found a quote that describes the dew really well. It says, it's, it's not like the dew necessarily that we're used to in America maybe, but it is a soft mist that comes from the Mediterranean during the summer. And when the heat is greatest, the country is burnt up with the terrible sunshine. It is, uh, the dew is attracted by the inland heights and it condenses in copious moisture upon the, their sides. And it creeps down on, upon the plains, reviving and refreshing every green thing in it. It comes first of all to Mount Hermon, the head of Israel, okay? The sanctified head. And then it comes down um, and it helps to keep its unchanging robe of snow. It keeps the picture up there, I'm still pointing. And, uh, and it fills its springs and it feeds its cedars and then it flows down and makes the corn to grow green in the valleys and the vines to swell out their purple grapes in the vineyards and the lilies to unfold their crimson radiance in the fields. And it is 
to this wonderful phenomenon that the psalmist captures the unity and the harmony of those who dwell together as brethren. So the dew, this anointing starts at the head and it trickles down the whole of Israel and it makes the whole of Israel green and full of life in the midst of scorching heat. So in the midst of scorching heat, us dwelling in unity is like the dew of Hermon, which brings life from the head to the feet, the whole body. It really is so good, right? That like that first so good when you first read it that you were not fully sure about it. So goodness, it's there. So Zion is the where it, where the where the dew comes to rest, and it uh, that represents the church. That represents the place on earth that God chose to rest His name. Where has God chosen to put His name these days? In us. So, from the head to the body. Um, okay, so unity and anointing. So again, we see um, this anointing runs from the head down the whole body. And with this do, we find that it brings life to the whole body. I think it's easy to forget how divided God's people were in throughout most of Israel's history. And you don't really remember it until you try to read the Bible through in a year, you know, straight through. And you're like, did they ever get along? <laughs> like ever. So there's this people group that God promised, you know, like all the things to, 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 to bring salvation to the world through. And there's 12 tribes and they just can't like each other. They just can't get along. And what's sad is they can't submit their disagreements beneath his worthiness and what he's called them to. And so they're broken constantly. Divisions plagued the people of God, but not a plague of God to turn them, but it was a plague of their own choosing that broke the heart of God. Can you imagine the pain in God's heart to have to watch the divisions take place and reside for so long in his people? It was this pain and the hardness of their hearts that led him to give his son. He, Jesus ministered reconciliation us to God, and now we are ministers of reconciliation, one to another, and helping others reconcile to God. So there, in that unity, and all this, this unity that we're reading about, so there's, there's life in the body because of the unity, um, and God has declared, now it makes sense, right? That there, in Jerusalem, there, in the unified body of Christ, he commands the blessing, life forevermore. So I don't feel like we'll ever comprehend the greatness with which God's heart yearns for unity of his children. Unity doesn't mean that we agree on every point of agreement or disagreement. That's not what unity looks like. It means that we've decided to stand together, to love one another as family, and to agree that he is king. And he is who we worship together. And us, fulfilling the desire of his heart that all of his children would know him and would, as a family, worship him, 
knowing, that, knowing that's his desire, that we'd say, I'll do anything. I'll forget about anything. I'll forgive anything. I'll bring up anything. I'll just deal with that's what, the, the, that's what they believe and it's weird to me. Like, I'll deal with that. I'll deal with any of it to give you what you want. As much as God wants me and my worship, like as much, this is what I'm responsible for, right? I'm not responsible for you, I'm responsible for me. But it, I, that, that can't be where my understanding ends of, of, of God's desire. That his desire is that his children would love one another and would come before him hand in hand to worship him and to be before him and to acknowledge um, you made this person. You love them just as much as you love me. I'm wrong too, and I don't know it. But you don't let that chafe you, God. And I won't let it me either, you know? Woo! <laughs> this unity anoints us to minister to God. Which, by the way, is why we come to a Sunday morning. I don't leave worship most mornings like for you. <laughs> you guys aren't, sometimes aren't even that fun to lead worship for. A lot of times you are. Sometimes you're not. But I'm not here for, to, for like just, you know, so that you can have time with Jesus. I'm here so that we can have time with Jesus. I picture like the fa a father like gathering a family reunion, which was like this thing in Jerusalem every year, right? Come from every tribe, we're gonna be together. What's the point? Um, to be together and to minister to God, to worship him. Just remember, who are we? Who is he? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing who our God is? You guys are so different. You guys eat fish. We don't have fish, but it's amazing. I wanna taste your fish. Simple stuff. Imagine a, a simple, like, you know, now, th these days, family reunion. Imagine if a father was so excited. He hasn't, he hasn't, like, had everybody together in a long time. He brings them together, and, and he's like, and we're gonna have ping pong tournament, and we're gonna have swimming for the kids, and slip and slide, and then they get there, and, like, some of them are just like, I'm just gonna talk to my cousins my first cousins, not my second cousins, you know? Um, those guys are weird over there. Do you know what they wear? Do you know what they believe? Do you know what they think? Do you know what they did nine years ago? <laughs> he put a cigarette butt on my deck. There's a, there's a, there's a hole. There's a black hole on my deck because he put a cigarette butt down. Don't we do that? Don't we act like that? Say yes. yes. We act like that. <laughs> we act like that. And imagine God, he was like, I just wanted to be together. I just wanted you to see me. I didn't want you to look at them and think about the cigarette hole in your deck. I wanted you to come and, and see me. I want, you to see, I want you to look at them and see how they see me because you don't see what they see about me. You can't, but they can and you can see them. You can talk to them. You can learn from them about who I am in another way. It's not about you. But if you'll relax, you'll make it about me, you'll find yourself enjoying me so much more, finding me so much more. You'll find purpose so much more because you're seeing me, because I, I have your attention. Not what other people have done wrong or 
reasons that you could not like them or be frustrated by them or whatever. So can he be our priority? Can we let him have our enduring fascination? Can we prioritize knowing him and allowing him to move over, or allowing him to move? Um, can, we allow, can we desire that over seeing disagreements resolved or over feeling like somebody's confirmed that we have the correct view of something? Can we treasure that more than anything else? So that's my like greatest desire for the people of God. And um, walking with you is my first step. And I also know that um, walking with the body at large is another step. Um, so I just wanna encourage us to just be watchful over our hearts and over our thoughts um, as we go through life, walking with somebody at work or seeing a YouTube video about you know, somebody who believes something that's different than what you believe and just being watchful and saying, Lord, I, you're like, my greatest desire is your greatest desire. To have your people love one another because you love them. For me to be filled with love because you're so full of love. And for me to prioritize you receiving that unified song, that unified worship um, over anything else. I don't care. Give me any sour thing to walk with my whole life and I'll set it aside to, like, to give you your worship. So um, we're, gonna, we're gonna respond a little bit together. We have the band come up. Um, and I wanted to first just kind of pray and just give ourselves space to just rest. Again, unity doesn't have to be resolving every conflict right now. We can, like, I don't, I don't really wanna do that, try to make that work, you know? Like everybody who's wronged anybody or anybody who's been wronged, go bring it up, you know? Um, that's, that is, and this is an enduring unity, right? Unity is something, that, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that we can get to and then we're done. It's a lifestyle of preferring others. It's a lifestyle of preferring to walk in the ways of God. And so um, I want us to take a moment to just like get our hearts to a place of unity where we say, Lord, you are my treasure. Your desires are my desires. So let's just close our eyes. Even if you need to write down some things maybe that have felt distracting to you, you're not in trouble. Lord, you are my treasure. Who you are and what you want is more important than any other thing that I could long for. I know that I'm filled in your presence and I want you to be unhindered to come and dwell. Lord, I want your love to shape, reshape broken places in my heart, how I see people or how I walk with people. Father, address this root pride, the very thing that brought sin into the world, address it in me. Address it in me, Lord, there's nothing 
that would satisfy me like dwelling with you. There's nothing that would satisfy me more than dwelling with you, Lord. If there's places of this, it's just hard to believe that, Lord, will you just come to you? We have the fear of God on us to know that there is nothing that he can't do. Lead us into the faith, Lord, knowing that you can fix anything that's rough in us, Lord. You can repair anything about the way we see your people or even the way that we prioritize your desires over our own, Lord. As you're ready, let's just stand. Um, we're just gonna sing a simple song of praise to him from a place of unity together. Just even acknowledging, you know, the person on your left and your right. Just, I'm not alone. I'm in the midst of God's beautiful creation, in the midst of his children. Not alone, even in my worship to Him. So, let's sing to Him.